Yeah. The people cr- have the crave. What's the quote? The people crave the podcast. The cry of the people for podcast. <laughs> Thank you. The cry of the people for podcast. And that's where we come in. Welcome back to the Wages of Cinema. Punch. <laughs> no, I'm not going to punch you. I'm not going to punch. I'm not going to punch anybody. Um, welcome back, guys. Uh, uh, I am, as always, Jack. And with me is... Trash Panda Cory. Oh, Trash Panda Cory. And our lovely guest star, as always, guest star Matt. Howdy! Howdy ho, howdy ho. We are back again with another one of these Phase 4 Marvel movies. Um, well, yeah, I, I think it's Phase 4. Yeah, we're in yeah. Phase 4. Okay. Yeah, and this is uh, a... a, a a new kind of genre for for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, not that they haven't had you know a whole you know shitload, countless fights, but uh, the first time we're in the midst of martial arts and uh, epics and all that sort and that kind of wuxia style. Um, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's a bit of a mouthful and. Maybe this movie is also a bit of a mouthful uh, or mindful. Um, I think, uh, I don't know how to go right into this. Uh, I think my initial reaction uh, of this movie overall is, eh, it's basically, (laughs) Uh, like, there's a lot of good stuff in this movie. There's also a lot of stuff that I think is uh, not very good and kind of garbage, um, which is a shame because there was definitely potential here for more. Um, but I don't know what I want to open up to you guys. What do you think of it? I would say this is going to sound like a weird comparison because these two movie, this movie I'm about to compare to Shang-Chi doesn't have any plot similarities. It's not visually similar. This is a rogue one situation. There are interesting elements in this film, but the movie itself is boring I don't like it for a variety of reasons. I don't recommend it. This really bums me out because I'm a big fan of most Marvel movies. So sadly, this did not work for me. And I think a lot of the problems you like with Rogue One stem from the fact that sadly, the protagonist is a total dud and literally any other character in the movie (laughs) would have been a better lead. Um, Well, I don't know if I'd say any other character. I mean... uh... Well, actually, no. Now that I think about it, there's one character in particular that would have been fascinating, but that's actually we have to save that for spoilers. Um, but I feel like we're kind of talking a lot, Matt. What, what, what's your well, say? I, would, I feel like I kind of like the first half a lot, and then once they leave the compound, it kind of gets like to be like a generic fantasy movie, and it yes. kind of loses me. Yes, what I I am so there with you. Like there's almost like a demarcation line that the movie makes for what was like, you know, pretty entertaining before and then just becomes, you know, generic, uh, you know, martial arts fantasy, uh, slop almost. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a shame because again, this is a character who, uh, maybe not a lot of people have heard, even heard of, like he, he was, uh, I know he was a character who starred in the 1970s. Um, I guess, Matt, you would know this. Did he come out, like, 
at the same time as like Luke Cage and Power Man and Iron Fist, or was yeah, he he's earlier? The same time. Okay. Same yeah. yeah, he feels like a, this. Feels like a, a character who came out of you know Marvel trying to figure out what to do next, and you know martial arts movies are big, and you know certain movies were starting to hit the consciousness, like uh, you know Wuxia movies, which are different than like. Bruce Lee martial arts movies in that they're closer to like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. That's but actually, like... the, the character is based on Bruce Lee. They made him. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's capitalized <laughs> on the Bruce Lee movie craze. Oh, interesting. Oh, see, I thought like Iron Fist would have been like the one that was Ooh. capitalizing on Bruce Lee. Uh, I think more directly, Shang Chi is. Okay, well. Uh-oh, that's ironic, then, well, given what this movie turned out well, to I be. Well, I mean, actually, because it's kind of interesting that they sort of reversed Shang-Chi and Iron Fist in a way because the Shang-Chi comics were pretty grounded with not that many fantasy elements, whereas yeah. Iron Fist was the martial arts book that did, like, a lot of the weird magical stuff. Yeah. And so now that they kind of blew their wad with Iron Fist, they're kind of the like Calvin <laughs> Apology movie with Shang-Chi. And that, was funny that, because the Netflix Iron Fist was very toned down and didn't have a lot of the cool visual stuff that fans want to see. Yeah. But now that they're making Shang-Chi, they said, actually, you know, Shang-Chi is not really that interesting in and of itself. Let's put all the crazy fantasy stuff into Shang-Chi where it doesn't huh. necessarily belong. Yeah, that's that's. I didn't really think about that. Yeah, I mean, again, I... Like I said, because I wasn't too familiar with Shang-Chi, so I just took for granted that that was, they were adapting it more or less faithfully. Nope. And wow. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I would think, yeah, a comic like Iron Fist, that sounds also a little bit closer to, anyway. But like in this story, um, just to give a really brief rundown, and by the way, I, Andrew didn't join us tonight, unfortunately, uh, to scheduling types of things. So we, you won't hear television doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, Marvel doesn't seem to think the Netflix show matter anymore. But that's <laughs> that's all. I'm sorry. I'm, no, I'm no, no, thinking, no, you wanted like, to add one more point no, to that. No, I'm just thinking that like, they could have easily said, like, okay, the Netflix Iron Fist show doesn't matter. We're just doing a new one here, and we can use whatever. But for some reason, they didn't. Everything is just, like, a slightly that's, different version of that's stuff. An, that's so. an interesting point. And although, I don't know if you saw this, and again, we'll get into the plot in a second, but I read something the other day that Marvel was originally considering putting Shang-Chi in, like, at the end of the Avengers. Like, I mean, like, 2012 Avengers. Like, as early as that. Wow. Yeah. So, I guess they must have been thinking about putting him in here the the whole time. But but you make a good point. Like, they had an opportunity to just do a better version of Iron Fist. And instead, it's like, no, no, we're going to graft this other character into uh, this more fantasy realm. And so, maybe... In a way, maybe that points to why something feels a little off once it becomes a full-blown, you know, dragons and fantasy-type epic. It's not spoilers to say there are dragons in this. That's in the trailers. Um, so I don't know if you have anything to say about that, that too, Corey, but... Well, I did think the tone of the movie changed and not to the good. Yeah. Because the plot of this movie is actually pretty basic, mm-hmm. which could have been refreshing 
after some of the more convoluted entries in the MCU, but the problem for me was the very basic plot wasn't very interesting in its own right. Like, I didn't care about the plot. And unfortunately, while I did enjoy some of the supporting characters, and again, wished maybe some of the supporting characters had been lead characters, I just cannot emphasize enough, like, I just could not get into Shang-Chi as a character yeah. at all. Yeah, and he, I'm sorry. He was a total, um, he's a total Kit Harrington special <laughs> for anyone who watched Game of Thrones. Like, I watched Game of Thrones, and Jon Snow was the bane of my existence because <laughs> he was a horrendous character. And just, like, a blank slate, just totally boring. And mm. when I was watching the movie... I was like, man, I really wish Wen Wu was the protagonist because he was awesome and there was this very interesting backstory to his character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, just to give a little bit of brief background what we're talking about. So, like, the way that the movie opens, you get a brief little, you know, background about this character of Wen Wu played by uh, Tony Leung. Um, actually, the, his full name is uh, Tony Leung Xiu Wow, I think. Uh, but anyway, he... Um, you know, ha you know, meets this woman. They have a, a you know very almost erotically charged fight, uh, and then you know we're told, you know, then you know he had two kids with this woman, but then you know we find out eventually that the mother died, and it cuts ahead though to what is present day, where Shang Chi is Sean uh, working as a valet with uh, uh, Katie played by Aquafina. Um, and thing, you know, it seems things seem to be, you know, trying to keep low key until he's on a bus and people see this. Someone sees this little green pendant right around his neck. Fight breaks out, and then the plot really kicks in because then you have to, they have to tr find out where these pendants are. One thing leads to another. They're in, uh, I believe it was uh, they go to Macau. Yep. Yeah, they go to Macau. Uh, brief. Uh, sidestep into an underground fight um and then we finally then get introduced to Wen Wu uh Tony Lung again and uh and you know then we you know this is when Shang-Chi is finding out more about what why Wen Wu his dad is contacting him things to say at least are extremely fractured between them and it it, it, it the problem I for me is that it you know, I think you could have maybe had something a little better if you had an actor up to the level of Tony Lung. Like, I, I don't, and it's not to say, I don't think uh, the actor, Simu Lu. Lu, thank you, Simu Lu, who plays Shang-Chi, he's not altogether bad, but I see what you're saying, Corey, about like in the, like the, the, the charisma department, like sometimes he can pull it off actually in a more normal type scene like when he and uh, Aquafina are talking with uh, a couple of their friends in this restaurant, I felt like he was a little more relaxed. He actually, I felt like he had a little bit more, like, you know, just natural presence. Um, I don't know if maybe that was also the case on that show that he was on Kim's Convenience. Yeah, yes. You've actually seen him act in another I capacity, have, yes. so tell us. Simu Lu is great in Kim's Convenience, but it's like also like a stronger ensemble. Although they, they fit together mm. more, but also they don't have 
a lot of big, like, crazy, epic fight stake things, so it's more yeah. conventional, like, on that sitcom level of being charming. Yeah. Maybe it's also that maybe he works better with lighter, I don't want to say lighter material, but with material that isn't so, like, you know, solemn and very melodramatic, and he has to have, like, a very serious face the whole time. In a way, that's, I think, the closest thing that maybe what you were saying with uh, Jon Snow. Yeah, I I found Shang-Chi, I just kept thinking of Jon Snow, and that's not a compliment coming no. from me. And, and it, again, it doesn't, as I was about to say, it doesn't help that Tony Leung is, you know, one of, like, just the world's great actors. <laughs> like he's been in like so many sensational movies. Mostly he's known for, you know, working with Wong Kar Wai, uh, especially with the one that you and you and I know Corey is in the mood for love. Excellent uh, but movie. he's, yeah, but he's also done, uh, like he was in another movie with him happy together, uh, 2046. Actually, I think he did, a an a, a more martial arts actiony movie uh, called The Grandmaster, uh, where he's like the IP man, if I remember correctly. And you know, anytime he's in those, you feel like you know his soul coming through really clearly. Uh, and I don't know how else to describe it. And I think he brings a lot of that to this character, and he's the clear, easily the most interesting and captivating part of the movie. And he's not in it nearly enough. No, he should. The movie should have been about him. This is a character with an incredibly fascinating backstory, mm. tons of potential. A man who just oozes charisma. He can portray like gravitas and seriousness, but also sex appeal. Yeah, yeah, and and it, one of the best scenes in the movie is you know a lot of this is told in flashback too, which is I think also something that breaks up a bit of the narrative momentum at times uh but there's one point where we see um you know after the we won't we don't have to say necessarily why how it happens but that when the wife dies and tony lung finds out he you know pays a visit to you know some of the 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 thugs that, that were responsible and that fight is you know really intense and emotional and uh, especially because it's also in front of like his like child son. Best fight in the movie by far. And I swear, mm. I would have even taken Aquafina as Katie as the protagonist in this movie. <laughs> because when I was watching scenes with her and Shang-Chi, I would kind of look at her and be like, okay, I see someone emoting and expressing things. So at least half of this duo... I was thinking, like, do you guys remember the Red Letter Media review of The Phantom Menace? And they said, try to describe the personalities of the characters in this film. <laughs> Can you describe the personality of Shang-Chi at all? Um, Earnest? Conf uh, conflicted? Uh, pained? Actually, well, you know what it is? You make, a, you make an interesting point, which is, I think... The real meat of this of the story would be like what sort of trauma happened to Shang Chi and also to an extent the 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 sister um, character uh, Shaoling. thank you. Yeah, th those two characters. I mean, they w watched their parents, you know, beating the shit out of people, and you know, you know, really traumatic. Like that's got to cause some trauma. 
And I was thinking about this when, as the movie was going, because we just watched that uh, that video essay by Lindsay Ellis about you know trauma and ego in in the MCU, um, narcissism and stuff. And it's like this movie almost has a hint of that, but then it's like, no, no, we don't have time for any any of that like deeper stuff. We just gotta get to you know the you know the arrows and the 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 little you know the dragons and all the fantasy things so it it, it really kind of adds a dead weight to it um and which is a shame because the first half of the movie really isn't that bad it's actually pretty uh involving and there's a, a pretty fun fight scene on a bus um for the choreography, it was fun. Like there, are, you could tell it's not a real bus, which is a, a problem. But um, I know. Were, were you about to say? I, Matt? I wasn't. Yeah, I was just gonna say, kind of like they gave all the personality to Aquafina's character, and like also to a lesser extent to Xiao Li. So I feel like there's not really anything for Shang Chi to do personality-wise, yeah. which is a problem. Like if it had just been. Shang and his sister and no comedy relief best friend maybe he could have gotten some more things to do well, but I, mean, yeah. I do like Aquafina but I mean like it's kind of like they kind of had so many people well, in there that they had to divvy up character traits and left the star with nothing really to work with yeah well but but it's it's like I think they were they probably had like the the the, the typical worry of well you know we need to have an audience surrogate we need to have somebody who you know, can look at this and be like, what the fuck is going on here? There's a guy with like, uh, an, ar- a knife for a large blade for an arm. You know, why is this happening? And the bus and the half and all that. But I, if you're going to have that, why not make her actually the, the, the lead in this story who we see actually Shang-Chi through. And, but then the problem is then like, she's, you know, how does she not become the main character? Well, I also think, frankly, she's probably a much better actor because Aquafina's mm. not just a comedian. If you've seen The Farewell, she's a great dramatic actress, oh, yeah. too. Yeah, well, well, she does what she can. Like, I feel like she's actually, she is trying, but, you know, she isn't given much to do after a certain point. Like, she has, like, the, you know, because she's, you know, it's established she's pretty close friends with Shang-Chi they don't go into romance level, although I, they maybe almost could have. Um, but uh, the uh, don't don't worry about it. <laughs> um, we're recording in our car, so there's a little bit of fog, but I'll, I'll take care of that later. Um, but the, yeah, but she yeah she has so much personality, and it overshadows uh, Sam Liu, and it, it's you know, and I'm sure again, as you said, he he's good on that Kim's convenience. But again, that that's where he's in a stronger ensemble and he can work better in that kind of material. Whereas here, he's mostly kind of having to react to things. He's having to react to his dad being, you know, super abusive asshole man. And, you know, a lot of this is kind of, a lot of his character development is sort of backpacked. I don't know if that's the word I should use, but because of all it's, there's so many flashbacks in this movie. It's like we're told what to feel about the character as opposed to being shown it more, which is why I think, you know, the the whole thing with the the mother and the and the dad's reaction to her death, that's like the strongest part of the movie because we're actually seeing, you know, conflict and development in that moment, but we're not seeing it elsewhere in the movie. 
And then another thing is that the subtitle for this is The Legend of the Ten Rings, but there's barely anything about the Ten Rings <laughs> in this movie. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we see that, like, the Ten Rings are what gives, like, Wen Wu his power. And we're kind of told up front about, you know, that, that he's been using these rings to base to create his own, uh, you know, um, you know, em- I, w- I want to say the word empire. It's not right. But he has his own, like, crime ring, you could say. And almost like a spy ring because his whole organization takes out people throughout the world and does these clandestine operations. He basically, it's like the Foot Clan. but the thing the crazy thing is that you know how like the first iron man has the 10 rings in it and then the third iron man has 10 rings with but they feel both of them feel like completely different organizations and then you know and then this is supposed to be okay this is the real mandarin getting revenge on like or reasserting himself as like the true guy here but then his 10 rings still feel like a completely different organization than the one in the first iron man so it's not huh. like a through line from iron man to here that you can see, oh yeah i get this this all makes sense consistently that this is one big terrorist organization it's just like oh this feels like disconnected still yeah it doesn't i found the world building very half-assed with the 10 rings too yeah. i I wanted more out of it because, again, I I can't emphasize enough. The actual plot of this movie you can summarize in, like, one sentence. It's very basic and not interesting. Maybe if we saw more of of Wenwu interacting with the world, not just his family, and we saw more about how the Ten Rings shape the world. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, we don't see that. We, We see him as, like, you know, of dad... And, you know, you know, it's another case of Marvel daddy issues a little different this time because it's, you know, uh, I don't know, but it's, it's, it is the same and it's different at the same time, but yeah, we don't see how he's been as a leader. He's just like stone faced, like I get shit done guy, but that's very bland, like as a kind of like explanation. And also, the Mandarin's rings are different in here than they are in the comics, and that's kind of disappointing to me, because I like just having the finger rings that each has a different power, as opposed to here, where they're basically bracelets that, like, shoot off and fly around. Yeah, yeah, it felt more like I was seeing, whenever he was using the rings, it felt like something out of a video game, and I don't mean that as a compliment. It felt very basic, also in that way. Um, And eventually... uh, Without going too much in spoilers, like the the rings do get kind of broken up, um, in a, in a fight scene, but it, that it yeah it, they're not yeah what why it's called the ten rings it, it had that title basically because the Marvel thought like if it has this title it sounds like it's a ooh this is gonna be a good like you know swinging dick martial arts movie like that you know kids that listen to, like the Wu Tang Clan are gonna really enjoy this and it's not that. Yeah, it's like the first scene is like, okay, here's a flashback to Wen Wu, and we're just going to leave it ambiguous as to where the Ten Rings came from, and also not capitalize the Ten Rings in Uh the subtitles, even though that's the name of the group. Yeah. And so that's like, oh, wow, thanks. And so you do finally, (laughs) you do get a tease about the Ten Rings in one of the end credit scenes, but then it's like, oh, it's the end of the movie, and so actually maybe you should have left Legend of the Ten Rings for the movie that actually explains stuff about the Ten Rings. Yeah, like, you could have maybe had more of, like, an interesting 
Ten Rings saga, but instead, because of where the movie goes in the second half, um, it like the characters literally go into like another kind of fantasy realm, and that's where it just gets bogged down in like equal parts minutia and you know just you know re- you know bad melodrama and the CGI was just too much and almost kind of laughable, which is kind you know, which is strange coming from Marvel because they're like the, they have the money to do really great work and it just doesn't look convincing even like on an IMAX screen. It's there's it's like two movies smushed together. The first movie is like a good, like family crime drama. And then the second movie is like a, a very light fantasy movie and they don't work together. They should have been two separate movies in like a Shang-Chi duology, I guess, huh. if you want to say. Possibly. I mean, but again, the, the, but to go back to Corey's point, when you have a, a lead character who has the, the charisma of a chalkboard... I don't think he's uncharismatic. I just think that it's because he's stronger as a character in the family complicated dynamic settings. Okay. But then once you get into crazy fantasy land, it becomes much bigger than just... He's overwhelmed. Yeah. But then if you keep it within the Mandarin family and focus on Shang-Chi with his relationship to his dad and his Mm -hmm. sister and their their mom, that's when you can mine it for good stuff instead of just putting him in the de facto fantasy hero role at the end yeah but then you know how you you know you know yeah that would have been the riskier move just make it like a crap of a family crime drama set it all in the real world and you could have some of the fantastical martial arts maneuvers but without like all of the more um you know east you know ancient uh chinese type of fantasy stuff are we doing a spoiler section or are we just going to like go straight through? <laughs> well, we let's say starting now we're talking about spoilers. Yeah, let's go into spoilers now. Uh, so again, if you guys, you know, don't want to get spoiled, you know, stop here. If you don't care, you know, just keep uh, just keep listening on. Uh, three, two, one. Okay, spoilers. click on there. So uh, when Ben Kingsley shows up. Corey leaned over to me and said, this is a tall drink of water in a desert (laughs) or something like that. Yes, Ben Kingsley was a drink of water in the desert because if you like me are of the belief that Iron Man 3 is a top tier Marvel movie and is like really excellent and probably a movie I'd rank maybe like five or six out of all of them. um, You'll be very happy to see our old friend Trevor Slattery. Again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, he, he shows up, he's a prisoner of, uh, of Wen Wu and, you know, he and uh, his, uh, does his little sidekick friend have a name? Morris. Morris. That's right. Yeah. Morris. Who's like a little like dog crossed with, uh, like a little pig, but without a face, uh, very cute, even though it, could have had a face. Uh, <laughs> well, the, the monster it's based off in mythology has no face. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, luckily they gave it like a little cute, like, you know, cooing and purring and, you know, sound. So it that helps. Um, they, they're the ones that actually get the characters, you know, into this. Uh, did they have a, what was the name it of like the whole fantasy? like Tao La. Tao oh, La. See, I kept okay. calling it in my head Tao Ro. Because of Superman and Lois? Ah. Yeah, Tao La, which is where 
you know, the, the, supposedly uh, Wen Wu's plan is to go into Tao Lao to find uh, their mother, who, you know, even though she's supposed to be dead, she's, you know, really there. And the characters go, and nope, she's dead. Uh, but her, but their aunt is there, uh, played by Michelle Yeoh. And, um, and this is where, you know, the, the rest of the movie takes place, where now they have to face off against, you know, dad coming into this realm. Um, and you know, when I think about it, yeah, yeah, Ben Kingsley, he's very funny. He, you know, he hasn't, eventually I think the movie kind of leaves him behind a little bit and he pops up a couple times, you know, again, because he's, you know, as he says, he's an actor, you know, um, uh, you know, he can't do too much in a fight. Um, although I guess he must've been doing something. It could have been interesting for a moment. weasel. Yeah, he was. And, oh, and he's playing dead. That was very funny. <laughs> he plays dead, which is very good. Um, I think that part of the problem in the second half is I feel like I've seen this now, like, repeatedly in other Marvel movies and done better. Like, they did this to an extent in the, the climax of Black Panther. Yeah. They did this in, to, you know, it's also um, the way that the we're, we're part of the conflict is also that uh, Tony Long is like punching through this, uh, trying to punch through this wall. But every time he does, it lets out these like basically winged bats. And then eventually it lets out this gigantic creature. And, you know, we just saw the suicide squad and it kept making me think of fucking Starro. Uh, how I wish I was watching the suicide squad. No, I mean, in this case, you know, the, 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 the characters don't like become one with, the dragon <laughs> that could have been an interesting little twist, but you know, but like the funny thing is Ben Kingsley being in this just, yeah, it reminds you of iron. You know, he's from Iron Man three, a movie that really took a risk, you know, that, that, that took that chance of, you know, people going in expecting the Mandarin and nope, he's just an actor, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, like that pissed off a number of people, but like, but for the people who love it, like I do, like it was massively entertaining and it, it showed like, Oh, Hey, when you actually are taking a chance, it could be really cool. And this movie doesn't take chances. It's sad too. When they get to the fantasy land, the characters they encounter there are just exposition delivery devices and yes. nothing else. Like I like Michelle Yeoh. I am a Michelle Yeoh fan and she she doesn't need a lot of screen time to kill it. I mean, she was great in a supporting role in Last Christmas. She was great in Crazy Rich Asians. But they gave her nothing to do except for, like, spout exposition. Nothing. Yeah. So, Taula is basically Wakanda crossed with Kun Lun from Iron Fist. Oh, okay. Well, so my thought about Black Panther is yeah. has some merit. Yeah, they have dragon skills instead of vibranium. Yeah, basically, yeah, a good, yeah, exactly, exactly, and also just down to like the two, war, you know, warring sides in this big cacophonous battle where you know there there's a lot of stuff going on, but you know, and but ultimately it comes down to you know two characters having this big fight, and it ultimately, you know, and you know, well, also what's disappointing too is that you know. It, Shang-Chi has real reason to, you know, take his dad down because his dad has been like such a total bastard. And, 
you know, I may, I don't know, maybe it's because it's, you know, they don't want to upset like families or I don't know, maybe it wouldn't play in China as well. I don't know what, but like they don't like, they, they kind of let off the hook. And I, that, I don't know, in that moment, I kind of let out of sigh and I was like, oh, why, why'd you do that? <laughs> so you wanted him to actually kill his father? I, something like that. Yeah, maybe like to actually ha- have that, because that would have given him maybe later like something to still, you know, now, now that's on him. He's actually done it. It's but so- but the movie lets lets him off the hook in a way because it's like, no, I can't do this. I have to put my rings down because he has to be the hero. No, I I can see that because I feel like I'm a I feel like I come off like a psycho whenever I say this, but I'm not into the heroes can't kill people bit. Like, no, heroes have to kill people sometimes. Yeah. So I'm torn because. It would have given the character himself, like, something to deal with. I have to say, though, when Tony Leung died, I was like, no! No, come back! Come back! Yeah, I mean, even in that fight scene, he was still, you know, a a compelling presence. You know, you could see, like, just so much of what was going on with him and how he's so, you know, driven by, like, the possibility of his wife being there. He's so deluded. It's like, God, so much going on with him, and instead it's like, nope, it's the you know, it's it's the Shang Chi show. I also have to say that I wasn't even a big fan of a lot of the action in this movie. Now, generally, I'm not like a huge action person, but a lot of the action to me was too like weightless and CGI dominated. Like mm. the bus scene in the beginning of the movie. We just watched the movie Speed this week, and oh, yeah. somehow I had never seen the movie Speed until what? this week. What? I know. It's ridiculous. But Speed was a great movie, and I kept thinking about how in Speed, all the action feels like it has weight, because they're on an actual bus doing actual things, and there's... And when I was watching the bus fight in Shang-Chi, all I could think of was like, this looks so fake. And no one feels like they're actually physically suffering. Like, I also thought of the bus fight on the Bob Odenkirk movie. Oh, yeah, nobody. I thought that, too. And that was a great scene because not only is it very well edited, but you can actually see the characters they feel pain and you can see that they are being like physically worn out. And there's no moment in this movie, like the staircase scene in atomic blonde where afterwards. So for me, he's too powerful. The action scenes were way too like weightless and consequenceless and just way too much CGI. The only fight scene I really liked was the fight scene when Tony Leung goes into the poker game to, you know, get some righteous vengeance for the murder of his wife. Because that was the only scene that had emotional charge and that it actually felt like people were being beat up, not just pixels being moved on a screen. Well, as I said earlier, too, also, like, his son is watching him do this. (laughs) So So there's, like, a stake there. Um, I, I mean, I liked... I think I was a little more into the first couple of fights in the first half, just for the choreography. I agree with you that there's a certain weightlessness because of, you know, every time they cut outside, the bus is so 
clearly CGI and you know you're you know slamming into all these cars but you know the it, it, the the characters are basically fine and you know you know that like they're going to be able to stop the bus in some way um and then there but then there's an out there there there's a fight kind of outside this building with this almost sort of long ladder with these like bamboo shoots and i i enjoy, i really enjoyed the choreography there even though again a bit of weightlessness but i just sometimes like the kind of movement of that. So I'll, I'll, I kind of let that pass. And I was into that because it was still that first half of the movie. By the time the fights happen later in the movie, I was so checked out. Oh, I was not related to this, but you know, Shang-Chi in the comics has a very similar backstory to Jimmy Woo in the comics. So I'm wondering if they had done a Jimmy Woo centric movie with him huh. instead do you think you guys would have enjoyed that more as him as the protagonist? Hmm. I would have taken literally anyone. Yeah. Over Shang-Chi. <laughs> like any other, pretty much any other, even what? like when Wong shows up oh, a few yeah. times, I was like, you know, I'd watch a movie about Wong. Yeah. This is a man who's, uh, and this is a man, you know, I like Wong. And I was like, this is an entertaining character. I yes. could watch a movie about Wong. Seriously, like, yeah. I was constantly looking for something else to focus on because I felt like there was a void at the center of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. He, he He's fun in the, the couple moments he's there. Um, which, by the way, like, I know that's it's a small thing, but at the very end of this movie, like, Wong shows up in this in this restaurant and, uh, and pulls... Uh, Shang-Chi and Katie away from their dinner and then people in the restaurant are like oh what is this what 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 and dude like we how do people not know Doctor Strange in this universe by this point mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no you, you but it's like it, the the time for that I feel like has kind of passed like post snap uh, I don't know like somebody must have gotten video of you know, Doctor Strange and Wong doing their thing during the final fight, or that's a whole other thing. I'm hoping maybe I'll come around on the character because I didn't like the first Captain America movie like 10 years ago. I actually kept the first Captain America movie was a movie I thought had a good first half and then totally dove off a cliff in the second half. So yeah. I remember when I finished the first Captain America movie, I was like, I'm not really into this and I don't know if I can really get into Captain America, but. Mm. In subsequent movies, I really came to like the character, and I consider myself mm-hmm. now like a pretty big Captain America fan. So maybe uh-huh. I can come around. Yeah. On Shang Chi. In an ensemble. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I I could come around on him too when he's not the protagonist. Like if he has, or if the next mo- if they do another movie with him, set it all in you know the real world. And, you know, that way you can have a little bit more stakes and the action might have a little bit more weight to it. it one last question is, do you think Shang-Chi is maybe too powerful a character, almost like how Captain Marvel is, where it's like, why do you need the other Avengers if you have him? No. <laughs> no, it's just, the thing is that, like, they specifically actually toned the Mandarin down because the Mandarin is a character who's scaled for Iron Man threats. And then hmm. so since Shang-Chi is just a guy who does Kung Fu and is master of it, that they had to lower him mm. down. And so it doesn't even look like Shang-Chi is going to be using the Ten Rings going forward. So, I mean, like, huh. he's a really good ass kicker. So, But I don't think that he's, like, a Captain Marvel-level 
type character that you don't need anybody else around him to make mm. a good team. Yeah, I guess I was just thinking about like near the end where he tears apart that dragon. It just seemed like a moment where I'm watching this and I'm thinking like, if he can do it, if he can do this to that, like how does it, how do most characters have a stand a chance? Well, maybe we know, even though she's a normie at the beginning of the movie, Katie has her slaying the dragon arrow moment. So maybe I can hang with him as like Katie's second banana. Uh, she, do you think she was thinking herself personally? I kind of want to slay the dragon. <laughs> <laughs> it's an joke for angel fans. All right. I think we can kind of wrap this up. Like, uh, let's maybe give our final thoughts. Sadly. Um, this movie kind of lived down to my expectations. I didn't like the trailer very much, and I didn't have high expectations. And this kind of bums me out, because there aren't many Marvel movies I wouldn't at least mildly recommend, and I really didn't care for this movie. I thought a lot of it was very boring. Although, Tony Leung and Aquafina, innocent. <laughs> they were both great. Thank you, Ben Kingsley and Benedict Wong for giving me like a little bit of levity, but I did not like this movie and I would not recommend it. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, maybe I'll go right before you, Matt. Like I, yeah, Tony Leung is, uh, you know, a really stellar actor and he's, you know, just so he actually even has a couple moments where there's even charm to him. And like, he has that like dinner scene with his kids, uh, actually kind of smack talking just the word Mandarin, which I found kind of funny. Um, but yeah, not enough of him. Um, kind of going back to what you said rogue with rogue one, but this one even more like, you know, it's like with you ha in that movie you had the, um, Mads Mikkelsen yeah. and here, but only here it's like, this is better, but it's also let more frustrating because of what is in its place. And it's, it starts out pretty strong, but then it just, I could, it's just so dull. I, and I, I hate to say that, but it's just so like tedious at points. And, uh, it's like the first Marvel movie in a while, you know, I would even, I, I think even at the time I would have said, yeah, you know, go check out Captain Marvel. It's not great, but you could see it maybe matinee or something. Like if you waited for this for DVD or, or you know, vi online video, you wouldn't miss much. Um, yeah, so this was a movie that I thought was pretty great in the first half, but then, yeah, completely botched it in the second. And it's funny because you guys brought me in as commentator for comic book stuff, but really this movie is completely reworked from the comics. So, like any Marvel movie, you don't need to have read the comics to get it. And this no, is especially no, of true course. of this because they've rejiggered yeah. a lot of things. And, of course, because like there were some concerns that maybe the original comics were like a little bit racist in some areas. Mm. But then it seems like in, in writing everything, they also took out any like flavor at all. Mm. It's just very bland and, like, homogenized I feel that like so the second half does kind of like undermines like the cool family drama of the first half yeah but yeah. yeah bland is the name of the game with this one I'm sorry to say yeah it's very easy to go down but that also just you know at, at, you know we're now at movie what like 24 25 or something at this point or, or pr project if you count like the series and you know at this point you know, we have a year with like Loki and WandaVision and yeah. you got to do more. Yeah. I mean, I was down on Black Widow when we saw it, but even that, I think even that is better to watch. 
theoretically. Yeah. Even yeah. Though yeah. It doesn't do a lot of new stuff either. But I yeah, think- well, that had its own issues, but yeah. at least it. I I was even when I was a little frustrated with that movie, I wasn't like as bored as I was here. Yeah, I'm I'm only mildly positive about Black Widow, but I'm still positive yeah. about it. Right. And sadly, not positive about this. Yeah, but if you guys have seen it and you have different thoughts, please share them with us. We we love to hear from you. Uh, you know, we're at wagesofcinema at gmail.com. You could always always shoot us a tweet. We're at the at Wages of Cinema on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, those places. You can listen to us on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, or actually now it's Apple Podcasts. iTunes is dead. Long live Apple Pod. Uh, and, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Matt, where can you be found? I'll be I found on my blog, mattdecatania.wordpress.com. Well, I'll be writing up a more detailed review and crossing my fingers we get to see Fin Fang Foom in the sequel. Sweet. <laughs> Whoever that is. Uh, and uh, with that, I guess we'll sign off. Thanks for listening to us once again. I am Jack. I am Trash Panda Corey. And I'm Matt the Conqueror. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Wages of Cinema is... Hugs! Punch! <laughs> All right, good night.